Ellison. Welcome to the Halison Games Cast. This is episode 118. We have a great show for you guys this week. We have lots of fun news. There's been some fun movie trailers that have popped out we're going to be talking about. And uh, since it was a Veterans Day weekend here in the United States, we'll be uh, um, talking a little bit about Veterans Day and uh, kind of the impact that uh, you know war has had on our world and uh, how we can relate that to games. So Rob's going to be heading up a very engaging discussion there. So uh, Rob, how's it going? Pretty good. Good to be back. Nice to be here and excited yeah. to chat with you guys. Yeah, we're glad to have you. We, we missed you last week on strategy, but uh, you know, uh, as we just talked about, we did share some of your recommendations on the show, despite <laughs> neither of us ha- playing them. So we had blind faith in you. So if anyone uh doubts how loyal we are to you uh you know we, we can refer them to that but uh also joining us here today is nathan wagner how's it going nathan howdy partner okay we're not going to talk about the toy story trailer nathan we're talking about detective pikachu oh i'm not talking about toy story all right you feel, I, you feel I've the been red playing dead some red dead oh that's right that's right <laughs> have you gotten a lot more time in this last week i have yeah i think i've put a 15 to 20 hours in oh, the game wow. now, so nice. Wow. Well, we, a good chunk. We will uh, be excited to hear all about that at the end of the show when we talk about what we're playing, but let's jump right into news. Uh, Detective Pikachu is a thing. It's happening. It's not a joke. <laughs> the trailer is officially landed. I think everyone kind of forgot that this was happening, and it's coming out you know, in the spring. But, I, uh, I kind of like was still thinking it would be like an animated movie and not a live action no, movie. No, this is very live yeah. action. So live action that like all the Pokemon look almost like creepily realistic. Like the the feathers and scales and stuff like it's like kind of whoa, like this is very realistic. Like I love love the aesthetic of like the world and you could like just seeing like the posters on the on the kid's room, like he wants to be a Pokemon trainer and like I really like the design for Pikachu and stuff, but like some of the other ones are like <laughs> give me like a, kind of these weird nightmares like Charizard, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy looks, like, terrifying. It looks like a, I don't know, almost kind of like a Lord of the Rings dragon I, or something. Like, which I, yeah. I've never, ex- I've never really, you know, positioned him as my mind like that. But I think I, the best, I think the best way to sum up how I'm feeling is I now understand why Nintendo has, or the Pokemon company has never leaned in the direction of a realistic Pokemon game. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> like, they talked about maybe style. considering that as an art style for the Pokemon Let's Go games that's coming out on Friday, and they said they were experimenting with that, but decided that didn't really fit the franchise, which I kind of understand now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that went through my head, and I shared this before we started the episode, was, you know, just the old vi- movies where they made the live-action, like, Garfield-type movies. And, like, oh, just yeah. the, yes, the CGI like the that just looks so out of place. That's that's kind of the, the picture I had in my head as I'm watching this yeah, trailer. But- it looks like, you know... Like anytime you had the Looney Tunes and real life people together, you just kind of go, this just doesn't look. It, it, quite it is a little right. strange. Well, the the weirdest part for me, actually, I have to say, is the furry Jigglypuff. Like, they have Jigglypuff <laughs> singing in a bar, and there's like a guy asleep, which is like perfect. Like, the, I love the setting. And like, Jigglypuff gives this like little pouty face, is all sassy, you know, which is great. But like, it's like, it's like made out of like this really, really soft fur stuff, this little like fur. Cups everywhere. It has which, like hair. Yeah, which, which is obvi- very, the, the most Jigglypuff, off-putting thing. Yeah, Jigglypuff kind of had the curly thing up top or yeah. whatever, but like, I think the weirdest thing is, you know, seeing these Pokemon like Jigglypuff and Charizard and Greninja like in a game like Smash Bros for Wii U and like Smash Ultimate, like where they look very, very clean and crisp, 1080p HD assets, but like they don't look like that. Like they don't look furry. They don't yeah. look, you know, too overly realistic. They still look really good while maintaining the original art style and. I don't know. It it it's a little off putting at first. I'm sure you know once the movie comes out, most of it hopefully is fine. But um, I don't know. But I guess I guess we kind of wrap the discussion with real quickly on uh, impressions on Ryan Reynolds as the voice of Pikachu. You guys you guys in for that or do you think it's weird? Better I, than I expected. Okay. I I think it was really good. Just the dialogue that he the lines that he they used in the trailer they're funny. I mean they're very clever cleverly written. I just, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that Ryan Reynolds has that past as Deadpool and present as Deadpool, I just kept expecting Pikachu to just start cussing up a storm. And I was like, <laughs> like, I know this is really Hopefully not that doesn't happen. happen. There will but... be kids in these movies. <laughs> but, 
But uh, so. yeah, no, I, I think he's fine. Um, st- still sad we didn't get Danny DeVito, but you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess once the full movie comes out, someone will probably redub the entire movie with Danny DeVito, so oh, it'll be fine. Oh yeah, it'll um, happen. But yeah, I know uh, people had lots of thoughts on uh, what to see. I, I am excited to see the movie. Um, I don't think it'll be a good movie, but I am excited to see it. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a fun movie to laugh at with friends. Yes, I think yes, that'll exactly. Be I hope, hope we get a good Magikarp scene, too. Oh, gosh. Um, anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, Activision uh, is in the news this week. They had an earnings call with investors. Basically, the COO of Activision... Um, Basically, was quoted saying, "Hey, you know, some of our other franchises like Destiny have not been a, a meeting our sales expectations." And you know, he talked about how Destiny has not really reengaged the entire core audience of Destiny. I'm assuming he means from kind of Destiny One type numbers. Um, I think also Destiny Two did sell very well. Yeah, launch numbers. Maybe they were expecting to bring almost every like 75% of people back with Forsaken, which is. Very unrealistic, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that he's disappointed, I think, is speaking to kind of the high expectations that Activision does have. Because just for reference, when Destiny 2 launched last year, um, after about two weeks on the market, it was the best-selling game of the year. Eventually, you know, five other games came out, like Call of Duty and stuff, in the end of the year. And it ended up as the number six best-selling game of 2017. Um, and then Forsaken, which came out in September, was the eighth best-selling game of that month, um, which... For perspective, those games that beat it were Forza Horizon 4, uh, FIFA, Madden, and NBA. You know, uh, I believe that um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man probably. obviously was the best-selling game of the month. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider came out that month, and so like the games that beat it, like I think I, I would have expected to beat Destiny Forsaken. It's an expansion. An expansion. Yeah, piece, it's an yeah. expansion DLC. Yeah. And so I thought it was pretty good. Being eight, like it sold more than Mario Party in September. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, interesting to me that uh, they're kind of looking at it as a disappointment. However, Bungie has come out and since said uh, Luke Smith, the game director, tweeted out that hey, you know, we do not view Forsaken or Destiny as a disappointment. We're very happy with what we've done. It's a great quality product. We're going to continue, you know, making Destiny a better place. But we're really happy with you know what it, what's going on. So, um, but yeah, overall, do you guys think that you know? Bungie can get to a point where Activision is not disappointed with the sales. Is it would it require you know a full Destiny three to come out, or just continue doing expansions, or should they just drop Destiny and do a new IP that's you know separate that doesn't have the brand damage that Destiny does? What do you guys think? I I think part I think part of the problem with like Bungie and Activision in general right now is Bungie is this company that was so long under the the thumb of Microsoft. That when they stepped out and you know Activision stepped in to kind of help them get Destiny and Destiny Two out, um, Bungie is still trying to operate as they're out there on their own. When in reality they're under another contract with Activision. So mm-hmm. I think as long as there's still kind of that working relationship of Bungie not quite working the way that Activision really expects, that companies underneath them would, it's they're going to be a lot of tension. I don't think. I think once Activision and Bungie separate, I think we'll see some really great things from Bungie. But I think as long as this is going on, we're going to have the same back and forth of Activision being like, we're disappointed in what you're doing. And Bungie being like, well, we don't care. It looked great to us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm curious to see what happens because I think there's two things we can look at. One, Activision has a history. They are in the video game business to make money. They're not in it to, yeah, exactly. you know, they're not trying to sell experiences or to try to try and say, hey, we have this thing that we really want to please people with. They are in it to make money. They are a business. They've proven that over and over again. Um, They generally have the best-selling game of the year in Call of Duty every year. And that's annualized, and they've done that for how many years now? Exactly. Um, And on the other hand, Activision also said in that uh, earnings call is that they were looking into other ways to monetize and add new streams of revenue to Destiny 2, which I think worries Destiny 2 players who were like, Hey, we really. This is the best shape that Destiny Two has been, and we really enjoy the game. Don't add more. <laughs> you know what's missing? Rank- microtransactions. <laughs> more microtransactions. Like, maybe Which we should add we've some already kind of seen boxes. a little bit. Yeah, no, they they added in basically a. Uh, t- temporal loot box thing, which is basically you pay ten bucks, um, uh, up to ten bucks, and you can get 
a emote that was like from a past season that's like you know you can't get stuff you know that you can't get anymore yeah so like a past it's not pay to win or anything it's still just like an emote like a cosmetic item but they're saying hey you know you missed out on this give us uh, real life money there's no other way to get it but you can give us real money to get it so something like that i think i'm fine with but you know it is you know probably a slippery slope and we're probably gonna see more of these you know microtransactions pushed in um because of this so hopefully it doesn't get to a point where it's predatory or anything but um, well, and I, yeah, I don't know. Wonder... I feel like for Activision to uh, um, to be successful, I'm thinking they're going to want to do a full another reboot with another launch of Destiny Three, which is not going to work because people have been burned. You know what? How many times between Destiny One and Destiny Two and all the expansions, like where things weren't as expected, and so um, I don't think Destiny Three is the answer to this. I think no. continuing on with Destiny Two. Um, and then even potentially, you know, just leaving Destiny behind and starting a new IP where people don't, you know, associate Destiny with a bad experience of getting burned. Or, oh, you know, I have to pay $130 to get the full experience or whatever people are, you know, um, whatever those connotations are. But um, I will yeah. say I played a lot of Destiny 2 this week. I loved it. It was a lot of fun and it's in a great place. So I can confirm that. And I did my part by buying it and the annual pass, so I don't know what they're talking about. All right, good for you. <laughs> good for me, exactly. I'm happy. Um, so Xbox had a fan event this weekend. Um, they announced a bunch of uh, smaller announcements, uh, kind of trickled out throughout the weekend. Um, one of them is Crackdown 1, the original Crackdown game for 360, is now free on the Microsoft Store this month. Uh, can't confirm. I just downloaded it to my Xbox One. Looking forward to jumping back into that game. I... I think I like practically 100% of that game back in the day. And so I'm looking forward to just going back in and just messing around because it's just a fun game to jump in and mess around in. Um, but Crackdown 3, they showed a new demo of a new multiplayer mode, which the whole thing is just basically uh, focused on destruction. Like your mm-hmm. guys in that building, oh, just totally shoot down that part of the building and it'll collapse over on the guy and stuff. So that looks a lot of fun. Uh, release date is February 15th um, for that game. So finally, we have a real release date that hopefully doesn't get pushed back anymore. Um, and you can, I think, pre-order it um, now, and it will be on Game Pass day one and everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on uh, Crackdown? Have you guys lost interest at this point since you know it's been in development for so long? I think I never... it'll come out and it'll do what it does, and I don't. I think it won't be as big as Microsoft at one point thought it could be, but now I think they're probably just resigned to. Just get it, it is out. what it is. Get it out. <laughs> yeah, get it out. It's coming out the I, week before the twenty second, which is when all those other games like Anthem and stuff uh, come yeah. out. So that's good. Yeah, I, yeah. I um, I never really played the first two Crackdown, so it's not really like I don't have a big place in my heart for it. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, they just need to get this out. This just needs to come out. Let's put it out there, get the fans yeah. happy, no, and move it's, on. It's, it's a fun game. I, I enjoyed the series. Um, I'm not like a huge fan or anything, but I did play it through both the first two. Um, and I'll definitely check out the third one on Game Pass. Like, I don't have to pay 60 bucks, so I love that it will be on that service, so that's cool. Um, Minecraft, they announced, has more than 91 million monthly active players. Which, which is insane. When you think about that number, let me say that again. 91 million players a month play Minecraft, which... I can't think of any other game that does that. <laughs> Maybe Fortnite? Maybe? like. Yeah, but see, the thing is, Fortnite's going to be popular for a while here until the next niche comes along. You know, Fortnite, mm-hmm. you know, if you go back a, two years ago, Fortnite, yeah, Fortnite was wasn't, not, wasn't even a thing. And what was still being played very actively by everyone? Minecraft. Yeah. Minecraft. I, I agree with you. I think Minecraft will, <laughs> will have the staying power, for sure, over yep. something like Fortnite. But is impressive and you know kudos to microsoft for you know acquiring minecraft and also allowing it on you know all platforms yep yeah um, so that is cool um kingdom hearts 3 news they this is for you rob debuted yeah a winnie the pooh trailer in kingdom hearts so rob is finally on board the kingdom hearts 3 hype train and he's gonna be there day one with pooh bear and tigger right rob winnie the pooh is in kingdom hearts 1 Yes, and there was also the 100. So it's coming back. So wait, this isn't it's even a new back. announcement of a new world or anything? It's no. basically just coming back as a... It's just going world. back to the world that we've already explored. Oh, well, well, the original one was we went to the 100 Acre Woods. But yeah, no, Winnie the Pooh is old news. Oh, well, that's boring. 
Let's move on. Uh, Winter of Arcade is happening. Uh, Microsoft has announced uh, that they'll have a couple indie games and arcade games coming out next month in December for Xbox. They said uh, kind of stay tuned to the Game Awards. So it looks like they might have a couple reveals of some uh, some games that are coming out December that, coming that, we, out. that we may not know about. Yeah. Um, and they'll also be doing some sales on lots of uh, indie Xbox games in the month of December, which I know I'm looking forward to, yeah. um, which should be good. And Rob, do you want to tell us about the last thing that came out of Microsoft's yeah there's some acquisitions yeah they picked up two companies so obsidian who um they're known for a lot of rpg type games particularly games like Baldur's gate um they did uh knights of the old republic as well as uh i think they were big in the they did knights of the old republic 2 right two yeah that thank you and And they just fallout new vegas is the i think their biggest one yeah that they did yeah so and were they the Pillars of Eternity? Yeah, they just released Pillars of Eternity 2, I think. 2, yeah, so, and... which, are, which are hugely popular right now. So that's kind of a big acquisition yep. by Microsoft to, to bring them in, and, and we'll see I think how that it, affects. It makes sense because Microsoft doesn't have a, a RPG developer, basically, right? So it's yeah, filling a need Lionhead. in their portfolio. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think it's and good, you know. Other... Microsoft continues to kind of acquire more studios and build up, I think, for the future and next gen and everything. So, you know, I yeah, I'm and fine they with also it. picked up Exile, which is uh, the studio that does like the Wasteland games, and they also just did Bard's Tale Four. Yeah. So really, which, really, I've never played any of those games, so I can't yeah. speak never to you. Never played either of those games, so I can't really speak to them either. But I mean, it's an interesting move, and obviously, Microsoft, like you said, Jeff, they're they're doing a lot of work here. They're trying to acquisition mm-hmm. a bunch of different groups and companies and stuff. So we'll see what this becomes, or if yep. they go the way of studios like Lionhead. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, they keep their studios open. Yeah. So um, that's most of the news that came out of the Xbox uh, event. Uh, they also kind of announced a little uh, Black Friday kind of deals. Uh, looking ahead for the Microsoft Store next week, mm-hmm. um, the one I would do want to highlight is uh, Xbox One controllers are going to be down to forty bucks, normally around sixty dollars. Um, so I've been sitting on some uh, Microsoft credits, and so I will probably be picking up a second controller for my Xbox. Congrats! Um, and it's a great it's a great controller. Like if you play on a PC or something, like it connects Bluetooth really easily, and it feels really good, and it's just a great overall controller so um definitely look into that if you are looking to get a second controller um they have tons of really cool color options too i didn't even realize like there's like i think over like a dozen different colors plus you can design your own one which is really cool as well um but yeah um we'll probably hit you guys up with more kind of deals that we're looking at in the next week or so maybe next on next week's show or something um yeah. anyways uh video game awards um this is the big game Award show that goes on every year. Jeff um, Keighley does it, um, and it is – so the nominations came out today. It is no Tuesday, November 13th when we're recording the show. So nominations dropped today. I th- you can go check out the awards on the website and yeah. vote for them as you well. You can vote for them, right? Yeah, it's you like, can, it's like you a can, fan you vote. You can vote for them. There's a fan yeah. vote um, as a part of that. They have a – I looked at the site today. They have an insane amount of eSport awards now. Like, they have, really? like, top eSport commentator and hmm. eSports coach and a bunch of other stuff. So, I think they're cool. expanding, yeah. which is yeah. smart. Game Awards is always fun. Uh, it's always fun to watch because there's usually some fun game announcements and reveals um, yep. um, that happen during that show. And, then you know, it's a live show, so you never know what will happen. <laughs> Get some <laughs> Last interesting year, people. Um, yes. But, yeah, the uh, nominations are out. Uh, I think – we can just talk real quick. Uh, Spider-Man, God of War, Red Dead, Celeste, Monster Hunter World, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I've played game of game I've, of the year. Yeah, these are game of year nominees. I've really played three of these, um, so I've played about half the list. I want to say Spider-Man is probably my favorite, and then Celeste, and then God of War. But at the same time, I don't really know why they're doing this because people are just going to vote for Red Dead because it's Red Dead. Yeah, I think so. Red, Red Dead is inevitable. So if you if you want something else, if you're curious about our I'm predictions, not look Red forward Dead. to the <laughs> Gamies 3. I believe that'll be yes. happening again this year. Yeah, we'll, so. yeah, we'll do a show at the end of the year for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, it just shows you how many great games have already come out this year. Um, sad to see that Ultimate will not be considered, but it doesn't come out till after the Game Awards, so it kind of yeah. makes sense. But Dude, you know what's be cool is I think the Game Awards is December sixth, 
like mm-hmm. Thursday, December 6th. And Smash oh, so Bros. Like comes out before. the 7th. <laughs> so like you might just watch it and then be picking up the game like that's a good playing point. it later that's that a good point. the next day. It's just very Just exciting. jump straight into Smash Bros. Exactly. It'll be, it'll be a good night. Um, I'm, I'm really glad to see Celeste on there, though. That's been one of my favorite games this year. And it's um, awesome to see it get some love against those really, really big AAA, you know, yeah, no, that's games. that's very. Every other game is a triple A. Hundreds of yeah. people. And Celeste was five. Celeste people. was five people. Yeah, so uh, really, really glad to see that there. Very deserving. Um, so our next news piece here has to do with Riot Games. I'm going to kick this one over to you, Rob. Uh, you did the research on this guy. So uh, League of Legends, Riot Games, they're being sued for gender discrimination right now. Um, you know, between employees and fans and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a you know, in our modern society, this is becoming pretty common in a lot of big companies that they just do certain things that people are starting to realize, hey, that's not really right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some fans came out and they're like, hey, there are some employees came out and they're like, hey, we're feeling like we're being discriminated against. We're going to file a lawsuit against right. So, do we know like really any of the details, or like has there been any kind of news since then, or is this kind of just just breaking? It's still pretty early on in the process. Um, lawsuits do take quite a bit of time, and so a lot of times the first step is you know once the lawsuit's filed, they go into a whole bunch of research to figure out are the claims even justified, what is mm-hmm. the exact reasons behind the situation, why are these accusations coming out, and so. Um, You'll see a lot. We'll probably see more information as the weeks go on here, but I, yeah. I, I'll bet that this will be a, a pretty, pretty substantial blow to to Riot Games. But I doubt it will affect League of Legends sales yeah. or you know anything like that. Like For sure, it, it already has su- such a big yeah. audience, like one of the biggest audiences in the world, and just the amount of revenue that they're making every day off of this game is just insane. Just looking at like you know just what the company puts out and promotional and what they spend advertising like you know that they're just making so much money and so you know hopefully this gets their attention and uh, brings about some change uh to any problems that have kind of come up but um we do have another update on a new story we reported on um, a while back um if you remember some rom sites were um kind of getting flagged by nintendo for takedown uh for hosting you know uh, roms of their old games and it looks like uh they finally reached a settlement um with nintendo for 12 million dollars uh so settlement to nintendo to to kind of so take they have down to pay those, those nintendo sites. 12 million is that correct yeah and the problem is that the two rom sites that are being taken down are run by a married couple so they're both <laughs> oh, goodness. just this couple this couple is getting hit with a 12 million dollar settlement that's rough so they out of they out of pocket have to come up with 12 million dollars because they're not like a big business or a company who has lawyers or insurance or that sort of thing i mean they're literally two people who've been you know this is a fan project essentially and they're basically been giving a cease and desist order essentially they are not allowed to emulate or do any type of franchise things for nintendo ever again for the rest of their lives wow that makes sense so well, it's it's a pretty big deal for these two people, but it kind of sends a pretty big message of how Nintendo responds to these emulator sites, and I'm sure that's a that's a big reason why a lot of the other sites were like, yeah, we're taking yeah. down all of our stuff. Nintendo employs the Nintendo very ninjas good have lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think the last piece of news we wanted to, to mention real quick here is that uh, Fortnite um, has added in NFL skins, and so you can officially like pay real money to make your play look like a Seahawks player or Patriots or whatever your flavor of NFL team is, um, which I talked to a couple students, um, you know, cause I work at a school and there's like a mixed reaction. Like I find most of the younger kids um, are like stoked. They're like, yeah, I can't wait to, you know, get a Seahawks uh, uniform. Yeah, it's going to be great. But like most of the older kids are kind of like, uh, no, you know how, how much I played and paid for in my battle pass to get, you know, this exclusive skin. Like, no way I'm going to wear a stupid, like, football uniform. So I feel like it'll kind of <laughs> go both ways. But I think it's just a really smart move in showing that, hey, even one of America's biggest brands in the NFL is trying to get in on the Fortnite action. Like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like, how big Fortnite is. I feel like maybe I'm misunderstanding how skins work. But I feel like you could purchase your favorite team's skin and just wear it on the day your team's playing. 
Oh yeah, for sure. You I mean you could do that totally. Just like like buy it, wear it on that day. Be like, this is my good luck charm. Because I mean, we all know that you're playing Fortnite every single day. Yes. <laughs> well, to, I think to to finish this story off, I have a uh, interesting anecdote I saw on Twitter. So Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's very good, and he tweeted out. Uh, Jumped on Fortnite for the first time in a while, and I was killed by a player wearing my uniform. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's awesome. That just makes I hope, the story I hope he so like much sent, better. I hope you like yes. sent a message to that guy or something. It was just like, dude, you killed me as me. What's going on? Yeah. That's funny really, to think about. That is really funny. Um, I think that was the plot of a time travel movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that ends our news segment for today. A lot of great news. Um, so I'm going to kick things over to you, Rob, here for our second segment. All right. So as we mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, uh, here in America, we had Veterans Day this weekend. And uh, Veterans Day is how we – is one day out of the month, November 11th, where, or out of the year, sorry, uh, November 11th, where we celebrate our veterans, those who have served in the military, and we're very thankful for all those who have served in our military. We're here on the show. We we support our military pretty, you know, pretty full heartedly. But this this Veterans Day was actually kind of special in a very historic way. Um, 100 years ago, on November 11th at 11 a.m was the official declaration of armistice in World War One? That is the official end of fighting during World War One. So yeah. there's a there's a pretty rich history with Veterans Day. That's one of the reasons why it is November 11th is because of World War One. Yeah. It, so I thought, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just saying. You know, it. You know, it's so cool that you know we're. On that 100th anniversary, I think it's just kind of cool and take the extra time to kind of recognize, you know, all the, the veterans that have served and, you know, being the, the 100th year because that's really why Veterans Day was started was to, you know, kind of remember um, World War One and when that day or when that war ended. And um, I know that there's a lot of veterans that just the three of us personally know, like I feel like mm-hmm. most families, you know, have people that they know. And so just taking the time to kind of remember that is, is cool. So, um, how do, uh, when you think of like veterans day, like, is there any like type of games that like you guys try to maybe kind of like played, maybe kind of think about what's going to happen in like past wars or anything like that? So stereotypically, no. Um, <laughs> but you know, cause I don't always, you don't always think about it. You're, you're trying to figure out how to honor veterans in other ways. And, you yeah. know, do things like that but this one because it was the 100 year anniversary i did actually sit down and play battlefield one because of that i was like all right i'm gonna play world war one games because not because i'm trying to honor the veterans through you know video game violence and wars but because i was like it seems appropriate to study a little history here no yeah that is one thing i definitely appreciate about battlefield one is they do a pretty good job of making it feel pretty authentic. And, you know, they kind of tell these kind of handcrafted stories that are fictional, but they're set in a very real, like it's realistic fiction. It's mm-hmm. set in a, a real environment of a specific part of a war. And um, it does this really cool thing where even in the prologue of the game, you're you're in this uh, battle and basically it says, you know, war, you know, it's crazy and you're not expected to survive. And basically as you're playing it, you'll die a couple times throughout the uh the tutorial mission and when you die it'll show that soldier's name that you played as and then like the year he was born and then you know uh 1916 like the the year that he died that that battle took place and it jumps you across the battlefield to another guy and you're kind of seeing like it it made an impact me the first time i played just like oh wow like in these battles most people did not walk away from them and you know you'd get to a person who's like oh wow this soldier i played as was 18 years old like that's kind of crazy to think about you know yeah but yeah, Battlefield One is a is a really good, really cool game that really I think, kind of gives you as close of a feeling as you can uh, to you know kind of looking into those stories and being able to play it in a video game medium. Definitely. Um, so I I kind of thought you know we're we don't want to be on the show come on here and be like all right in honor of Veterans Day let's talk about all these really violent video games that we really love and we're gonna you know be like 
like kill everyone because that doesn't seem like an appropriate way to honor everyone. But what it, what it did get me thinking about in Battlefield One is one of those games that came to mind was I, I kind of want to bring up a discussion about video games and how they deal with war, how they portray war. So you know, we're, I want to kind of ask you guys a couple of questions and see what you guys think and get your guys' mm-hmm. opinions on some of the different games that have come out through the long the long era of video game history about war. So let me just let me just start by asking you guys, you know, I mean, I'm sure when you guys start thinking about uh, video games that portray war, you guys can probably think of a lot of video games. So my first question is, why why do you think war lends itself so well to a video game medium? Because uh, back in the 90s, uh, video game developers realized that people like to shoot things in video games <laughs> with Doom and Wolfenstein. And, you know, it was it was fun in those games. But as soon as, like, GoldenEye came out, and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's so much fun to shoot your friends, like, when you're in the same room, like, in a game. Like, ever since then, you know, there's how many games that come out every year that focus on shooting other players. And, you know, it's, for some reason, it's just something that's intrinsically fun and being able to laugh in your friend's face when uh, you kill them as odd job for the 40th time is uh, something that we take joy in. So mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a tangible way to show progress, a way to measure yourself against someone, um, skill versus skill. And so yeah. having having that, um, it's a tangible, it's an easy and tangible way to to show progress and to compare yourself to other people in a video game form. And that's not always easy to do. And since like Jeff said, so many like games kind of popularized it um, to the point where, for a while, almost every single game had some kind of shooting or killing mechanic in it. So, and yeah. the video game industry copies it each other. Yes, <laughs> and it yeah, they grows. do. They do and, a you know, very effective job of that. And it definitely grew with the rise of online multiplayer, right? Like, be able to connect yourself to other players around the world, like you know, shooting with other people online anytime, like. We all remember playing Halo 2 online for the first time, right? This, like, how much of a fun experience that was of, you know, trying to snipe each other from across the map and stuff. And, you know, me playing that as a teenager, okay, it wasn't because I was super violent, but like you said, it was just a fun and really neat experience that we never really had in gaming before. Um, And, you know, I like what you said, Nathan, where it does measure the skill. You know, if you are in a gunfight with someone in a video game and you kill them and you're still alive, you feel good about yourself and, you, you know, you were better than them, so yeah. Yeah. Did you have so, an answer to that question, Rob? To that question, yeah, I I agree a lot with what you guys say because it does seem like you know there is an intrinsic value or, or that feeling of like, hey, I'm better than you because I was able to beat you in the shooter and that sort of thing. And I also think just like ingrained in our culture, we like to emulate real life in a in a different way. And so being able to take a lot of things that, you know, horrify us in real life and being able to put it into a medium that we can go, oh, hey, this is enjoyable. This is entertaining is I mean, that's literally the entire point of Hollywood is taking things that would otherwise be horrifying in real life and making them into this really great action movie Mm -hmm. or, you know, that type of thing. So I think it, it, it literally is a big part of almost a coping method method yeah you know well and, it, and it's the adrenaline almost as well too right when when you get down to the you know the final seconds of an intense you know halo match or you know i think like Fortnite or something you know you're there one-on-one yeah left you know two people left out of a hundred like you get that adrenaline going and you're not actually in a dangerous or crazy situation but you kind of kind of get the feeling you know simulated in the game so yeah so let me ask you guys another question kind of related to that. How do you feel that most games represent war in general? So I know there's a lot of games out there that have like a historic take on war, whether that's, you know, like our Call of Duties or Battlefields or even going into things like Total War, or Age of Empires or like some of these strategy games that involve war and that sort of thing. How do you feel like video games in general represent war? Terribly. I, I think they're very <laughs> unrealistic and I think that if they did it realistically, like there's some uh, fan-made and Kickstarter projects out there that try to represent war more realistically. And most mm. people don't like that because it's not really enjoyable or fun to play. So I have appreciated that. It's true. 
in the last, you know, um, like you talked about with Battlefield 1, Jeff, or um, Call of Duty World War II, they, they have tried to make it a little bit more realistic yeah. in some way. But at the same time, they, but, they, they sacrifice some realism to yeah, make it exactly. more fun and accessible. Like, you know, I'll tell you right now, if when I took a bullet to the heart, I would slowly bleed out until I died, that would not be fun. Like, yeah. If I hide behind a rock for 15 seconds, or and if I'm you fully get healed. shot in the arm and then you can't shoot anymore, like that's not a fun way to play a yeah, video game. Exactly. So that's there's true. obviously sacrifices they have to make, and it's you know you can play hundreds of hours of COD, and that's nothing like being in a real firefight. And I don't think mm-hmm. many people would argue that, but um, at the same time, I think it's kind of taking that setting and just trying to make it into an entertainment medium since. You know, video game industry found out that people really enjoy doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you guys brought up Call of Duty and Battlefield because, particularly with Battlefield One and the newest one that actually I believe is out today, Battlefield Five. Um, I think it comes out November twentieth, right? Or yeah, it comes out. I, I it think it's out, like early I think, access in the I think early access Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, okay. so is it comes um, out next week? Next and week. then Call of Duty World War Two uh, came out earlier. Uh, came out last games, year. Last year, yeah. These games really represent war and that sort of thing, and they do they try and do a historical thing. But even in those games, one of the things that we see is that they create almost a Saving Private Ryan or a Hollywood version of the story to yes, for sure to to draw us in, you know, get us entertained. Yep. So, um, one of the things that I find really fascinating about war games is particularly their genres. We most often see that war games fall into the category of either strategy or first-person shooter. Why do you think that there's not a lot of other war games that have really branched out into other genres? Um, I sound like a broken record here. But I know. Going I, f- back, I feel like I'm just, just Going back to Goldeneye here. Ever since Goldeneye, the industry has realized that people enjoy shooting each other in video games, and there's something... Very rewarding and accessible, and it's been around long enough where, you know, people, gamers know how to do that. Even look at something like Fortnite. Like, it's super cartoony. It's not your traditional war, but it pretty much is. You're there. You're hiding. You're fighting against enemies. You're shooting each other till you win the battle, right? And that's Mm -hmm. just something that is the most one of the most popular things to do in video games. So yeah, and it's. I think it's it's hard to. It's an easy way to represent war in a tangible way, um, and it would be harder to do like, and it, it's harder to do like an adventure game set in a war. Um, there, there have been a couple. I think you're you're going to talk about one in a little bit, Rob. Um, yeah. But it it it's harder to do like a side-scrolling platformer um, in war because it hasn't been done as much before. So, like Jeff yeah. said, yeah, the industry copies each other. Yep. Well, and. And uh, uh, first-person shooters aside, how do you feel about like strategy games when it comes to war? Why why are those so popular? Um, I think just for me, it's not about strategy games; it's about controlling um, massive armies and just like lots of units across a map, um, which lends itself really well to something like war. You know, I can't really think of a use of something, you know, Comic Age Vampire or something. Uh, where you're controlling Yahtzee units where you're not going and using them to fight or things. Um, I think Pikmin's probably the best example that we have that's kind of differentiated in that, where you are controlling a giant, essentially, army of creatures, and you are doing some fighting, but you also are doing a lot of puzzle solving and um, exploration as well. Um, But yeah, outside of something like Pikmin, nothing really comes to mind as far as, like, really big strategy games as, you know, going in-depth, which, you know, I guess... Strategy games, as we talked about last week, is a pretty wide branching net. I'm sure there's lots of examples that I haven't played, um, but but yeah, I don't know. I think there's just something about controlling a large mass of units, and usually you're wanting them to to uh, you know battle or go into war and stuff like that. Yeah, can't think of many uses for a giant group of people <laughs> in a video game other than that. So. so so let me just bring up a couple of examples of games that have. Tried to change the formula a little bit, and maybe you guys, you know, and I can explain what each of these games is a little bit, just so you guys know. So, uh, Spec Ops: The Line, it's set in more of a futuristic type war, but it really addresses the the horrifying situations. A lot of different situations where you kind of realize that uh, you're the bad guy. It's 
a lot mm-hmm. tailored towards like the newer wars that we've had, like Iraqi Freedom and Desert Storm and some of those type of battles where there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and it is a third person shooter. Uh, Valiant Hearts, the that one's uh, side scrolling puzzle type yeah. game. I really, really like Valiant Hearts. It's yeah. very emotional. I loved it. It's one of my favorite games I've ever played. Yeah, and it had, uh, this had war... some good good puzzle elements in there, too, which was pretty cool. Definitely, definitely. This War of Mine, which actually is dealing with a person who is involved in, who's in a war-torn country, and he's trying to find ways to survive, and so it doesn't really involve fighting. There's not combat. Combat's not the main focus. Yeah. It's more a survival It's like a type. setting, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's that... It's that 2d or 3d uh side scrolling mm-hmm. and then last but not least one that came out this last weekend 11 11 memories retold which actually fun fact is the same studio that did wallace and gromit they oh, switched oh, over to video games it's very it looks like a pastel painting type art style to the <laughs> game nice. and it follows two different people one a uh photographer on the uh british side and then a German soldier, and this is both. These are this is set in World War One. So, and it's dealing with a, it's more of an adventure, casual, point and click type game. Okay. So how do how do these games kind of change the formula? Like what what are they doing that is so effective? Well, the I, the only one I've played is Valiant Hearts, and the thing I really appreciated about it was, you know, it did really focus more on the storytelling and. You know the game is kind of cartoony in its art style, and um, you know isn't isn't super gritty or like you know you're not killing tons of enemies like you would in most war games, but you basically are finding artifacts as you're going through, and basically mm-hmm. you read these little stories and little notes as you kind of go through, and it just tells this really kind of beautiful and like delicate story that's going on that kind of gives you like oh gosh like this is what it was like for for this group of people, and it kind of gives you a really cool insight into what it kind of may have been in that situation and you know on top of that there's some fun side scrolling puzzle gameplay and stuff like that as well but um yeah that's that's one way i think that it just was really successful in telling kind of stories and experiences rather than just you know trying to you know shove just flat entertainment into your face yeah i think um the thing that connects all of these games is the fact that the people who made these games had a different purpose than the people who make Call of Duty and Battlefield and kind of the typical Mm -hmm. war games that we talk about. Instead of putting the focus on, hey, I want people to be engaged and to have fun and to enjoy this product, that was not the main purpose of these games. The main purpose of this game was to tell a story about um, and look at some of the maybe the realities of war, the the hardships of war, and tell that story um, that is often untold and unheard. And so it Mm -hmm. was just a focus on we want to be more about the environment and what actually happened versus a focus on gameplay and having fun. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, so would you guys want to see more games start kind of, they kind of do that, that more story approach to these things? Um, gosh, it's hard for me. Like, so honestly, um, I love history and I, I feel like for every, every, historical shooter that has come out that i've played recently or even over the last couple years it feels all very samey to me so i'm not really interested in having another shooter go back and go into a different war go go to war that i haven't played before um so i guess my default answer would be yes but at the same time i think my opinion on this whole matter is i think that the war and the story of war can be dealt with better and is more easy, easily accessible in different, um, different media, different media like yeah, movies mediums like TV movies shows. and and books and yeah. stuff like that. I think it's more would easy you, to. So convey. would you rather, would you rather see things like Valiant Hearts or Eleven Eleven Memories Retold, like those type of approaches to more wars? I think I think that would be interesting, but honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I probably like I I've played Valiant Hearts and I thought it was neat, but I haven't played any of these other games. And if if more games approach it like that, I probably wouldn't play it because that's not usually what I'm looking to get out of when I play video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, as cool as more that would be, um, I think just think of different mediums, like you said. Like I I really like, love enjoying going to the movies, and you know, if you put out a 
really interesting movie that you know shows what kind of like Vietnam's like or Civil War or something. I'd probably be a lot more inclined to to go watch that than to you know pl- play play a game over it. Even though I do love you know games. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think we're mm-hmm. you're looking. People enjoy different aspects of games, and just for me personally, that's not one of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look look at through my video game collection. How many games? do i own that has the word mario in it like that 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 should tell you you know that's what i'm looking to get i'm just entertaining you know just having fun and relaxing and good um, you're not gonna yeah the game all about the gameplay (laughs) not necessarily about you know intense war driven stories but you want a realist you want a realistic first person shooter mario game definitely not yes that's that's what i just heard i i love i love a good war movie like i love you know patriot glidator braveheart like any of those type of movies like i love those movies but that is you know not usually what i'm looking for when it comes to playing video games rob i know you do enjoy games more for story more than either of us so are you interested in having more experiences something like this war of mine or valiant hearts yeah so when I saw 1111 Memories Retold was coming out, you know, this weekend, I was super excited. I really want to get it and I really want to play it because, I mean, I do love that mentality. I I love history. I love studying history. I li- I'm so nerdy. I listen to history podcasts while I drive. Um, <laughs> but the, not that you guys didn't realize I was much of a nerd because we're doing a video game podcast. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would love to see this approach done with way more wars, kind of just more storytelling more showing you know not as focused on you know how quickly can i find that guy through the little tiny tv scope and nail them with a sniper rifle but Uh more like how how did this war actually affect people what what were some of the stories of people in this war i like what call of duty and battlefield have been kind of doing with like the war stories and kind of trying to tell more of a story but i think it could be even more so from other groups like let's get you know if telltale hadn't just blown up you know telltale doing a war game you know but like you know that type of like that type of point and click like let's get more let's tell the stories and you know show people more history of what these events actually were like yeah yeah no that makes sense i i I think there is a, a lot of people who would enjoy enjoy that approach i think those games that you did bring up rob i think they are pretty well respected across the video game mm-hmm. industry because of the way they told their stories yeah. and how they dealt with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Interesting medium. And I think we'll continue to see that come from you know smaller developers and smaller teams. But like, you know, ask ninety-five percent of Call of Duty players why do they play Call of Duty? It's not because it's a realistic simulation or tells a good story about war. It's because they like shooting people in the online multiplayer. So you know, it's I'm true. Not, I wouldn't expect big industry change anytime soon. But, um, you know, they, I think there will be more smaller kind of uh, stories that could come out in some, yeah. some games over the next couple of years. So, Well, and uh, that's, that's my hope. I don't think Call of Duty or Battlefield is going to change, but I do believe that a lot of these smaller studios, they can, pump, they can pump out things like this, pump out games that, you know, like playing through Assassin's Creed. One of the things that comes up a lot in Assassin's Creed is they will touch a historical event and they'll they'll mm-hmm. manipulate it in the Assassin's Creed Templars battle type way. Yeah. But I'll go, wait, what was the real story like? And so I'll actually go and research yeah, that look and up. look it up. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know not everyone does that. I'm kind of a weird exception sometimes <laughs> on that. But like no, games that, that do that, that yeah. you go, huh? I want to know more about that. I like that idea. Yeah, no, I even think about, uh, you know, we reviewed on the Switch last year, a Wolverade, Wolverblade, uh, which was an indie oh, game yeah. made by, you know, first one guy, uh, I think it was Michael, Michael Helstead, I think it was his name. Um, and he pretty much just made this because he loved ancient, like, British history, like in the, I believe it was like the 1400s or 1300s. Like 1200s. 1200s, yeah. yeah way back, uh, he loved that, that timepiece in that war, and so... The gameplay is just a hack and slash, you know, side scroller, but it has all this, you know, history in there and different lore pieces and like real history. And so, like, I found myself, you know, reading up all the different things I unlocked in game, and I even went and like researched some of the things about like druids and stuff like online when I um, wasn't playing the game. So, I think it is cool, and there's a lot of passionate people out there who, you know, we are living in an age where more people can make video games and yeah, it's lots more of great indie stuff, mm-hmm. which is good. So. 
But anyways, I think that kind of wraps up our second segment. So, uh, yeah, happy Veterans Day uh, to everyone. And if we have any veterans listening, thank you um, for your service. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to go ahead and close out the show with what we're playing. Um, I did want to say that, you know, I talked about how I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2. I've gotten both exotic bows in the game now, and it feels amazing. Because, like, the bows already felt really good. <laughs> but now that I own both of the exotic ones, like, one of them lets you see through walls and, like, will overpenetrate. And then the other one will, any, every time you get a precision kill, will, like, just do chain lightning. Just, like, you can hit one enemy, then, like, the three guys around him will also just, like, zap and, like, just be destroyed. And so, super, super fun. I've had a lot of, a lot of fun uh, playing Destiny 2, and I finally reset my Gambit rank. And I'm at the point where I need one more piece of armor to hit max level on my main character. Then I'll kind of be done in a way. Um, and I feel like I won't be playing as much anymore. But... You know, the fact that, you know, it's Forsaken's lasted me over two months and I'm just kind of now hitting that final level cap and I've been playing a ton, um, I think shows to how good the, the quality of the content is. I just keep keep wanting to play. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a very well done expansion. Yes. I mean, they even worked in like lore-wise, like the reason why you're playing the same things like every week with the reset. Like it's all part of like the story of the Dreaming City and Riven and... There's this curse where things keep happening and it's evolving and changing, which we've never seen in Destiny before. So I hope they kind of continue with more of that kind of storytelling. And, you know, the first DLC post Forsaken is coming out next month. So I think it'll be kind of perfect timing uh, when that does finally drop. So, yeah. So. Um, nice. On that, did play some Mario Party. Um, I hadn't played it in the last couple weeks or so, but picked it up this weekend, had my mom and a friend over, and I. You know, it's great Mario Party just being accessible. Like, anyone can play the mini games. Um, I had a lot of fun. In that mode, I do just want to say that the, the two-player mode is a lot of fun. I really enjoy playing the, the partner. Oh, the partner uh, the party? Partner mode. Yeah. Where you can, the, oh, nice. have the strategy. Yeah. Each board is a grid. Yeah, I, I really like them. I appreciate that they, they put that in there. Every Mario Party kind of tries to put in some type of, like, side mode or something to do there. And... This Mario Party has a few. There's that. There's kind of the Toads, Rec Room stuff. There's the Soundstage, minigame stuff. And um, there's most of them are kind of smaller experiences, but the partner mode is a pretty core way to play the game. Um, like the river rafting and like the other ones kind of feel like very kind of sideshow admissions. Like not really. They feel <laughs> you're not going to play them over after, after exactly. you play it once oh, or yeah. twice. You're like, okay, I get this. Like you're just sitting there on a raft and just kind of paddling, paddling. Like I, and you know, then it's probably you, fun for kids, all, but well, and. I mean, they only have a certain amount of mini games they can play because yeah. it's all focused on co-op. And so once you've played through those once or twice, you're like, okay, I'm I'm ready for something new. Yeah, you know, and yeah. when I'm usually sitting down playing Mario Party, like I don't know if it's just me, so correct me if I'm wrong, but me and like my brothers or whoever or friends, we're usually looking to go at each other's throats and like be competitive and win, like yeah. not work together as we're rafting down the river. So, um, yeah, but you know, still still a really good game, um, despite you know some weird just nintendo decisions about that game like with the online and <laughs> dude i wish they not had, being able I, to save wish, boards and uh, just weird stuff i like wish that. they had released that joy con bundle yeah at when I was the game really released mad. because the game it's a hundred dollars for the bundle and two joy cons with the game and it's like and a green and a yellow yeah I think. it's, like it's a, a cool new color. color it's new it's a new cool color and you can basically get the the game for uh 30 20 bucks because yeah. normally joy cons are 80 dollars and so if you buy it for hundred dollars, you get the game for twenty versus like yeah, which one. I probably would have bought this bundle if it was at the time and yeah, exactly. even like with Gamers Club, like you can get it for like eighty bucks, which yeah. is like a steal. So that's huge. Yeah, so I almost feel like I almost should have waited in Mario Party for this bundle because it was announced for other regions but not in North America. So for whatever reason, they delayed it for like a month and a half. Yeah. and uh, I guess it's out now to for those holiday sales. So if you're wearing a Mario Party and looking to get some more Joy Cons for Smash. Uh, I recommend checking out that bundle. It's yep. a pretty good savings. There you um, go. But yeah, that's pretty much uh, the main thing I played. Um, what about you guys? So I, uh, I have not had a lot of time to play video games in the last few weeks. It's been kind of yeah. busy. But I did get a chance to play Curse of Monkey Island a little bit more the other day. Um, just kind of continuing to go through Telltale game, or uh, LucasArts games. Um, not Telltale. Not Telltale <laughs> this time. LucasArts. <laughs> And uh, 
just kind of cranking through, you know, just working through the, the different puzzles and everything. I've had to look a couple things up. I've figured a couple things out. But, you know, again, I mean, those games are so complicated and crazy that, you know, sometimes it's like I had a solution the other day. I was like, I never would have thought of this one in a million years. I would have clicked on literally everything on the island and combined every item I possibly could and never figured this one out. So you felt didn't feel bad for looking it up? what you're saying no no i don't Good. feel bad at all i feel i feel justified in finally going uh, yeah. at, at a certain point there's like how much more time am i willing to invest in this and is it really worth it with you know how valuable my time is so. yeah. yeah especially with a game like that where those those old point and click lucas arts games can get pretty obscure with what you have to do yeah. <laughs> rob That's have you fun. not have you not played ac odyssey really at all I mean, I know that's also on your computer, so yeah. I, I'm part curious. Of the problem, so part of the problem with AC Odyssey right now is I uh, have to have a plugged-in internet or Ethernet cable to do it, oh. and there's only about two places that I can do that. And so uh, if my kids are awake, or if I'm trying to spend time with my wife, or you know other things, where I'm like, hey, I'm gonna step and do a video game now, it's kind of a, hassle. a lot of it's kind of a hassle and it also our internet is just about bad enough that if my wife is on her phone or on her computer while I'm trying to use the even on the Ethernet cable, it <laughs> I accidentally lags. fell off the roof and died. <laughs> it lags a little bit. Uh, uh just the internet yeah. connection. So I basically have to play it when she's not home or the kids aren't home yeah. you know, by okay. myself and no one else is on the internet. So it's a little frustrating that way. And I'm sure, you know, and that really isn't a problem with the streaming or anything like that. That's really a problem with my internet, but yeah. that just makes it harder right. to. You, st time you to still play have a couple that. months left, right? <laughs> yeah, it's until January nineteenth. So one of these days, I'll just send my family away and just play for like twenty hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> Leave for like a week, and then and then you'll be fine. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Any anything else, Rob? Uh, I did play a little Battlefield One, like I said uh, earlier in our uh, segment, and I I played. I I think I only played about an hour or so so it wasn't long but it's kind of fun to jump into some of their stories that they have there and just kind of I, I love seeing like some of the the world war one like method methodologies that they recreated in like mm -hmm. fighting and the warfare yeah. and everything like that it's really intriguing oh i i did forget too i i wanted to mention real quick i did play a little uh, state of decay 2 um which is really my oh. kind of my first experience playing that uh, which came out earlier this year on xbox you know it's a zombie survival game and um, the pace is actually pretty cool. I really like what it's doing. It's not super fast, like in your face, like Left 4 Dead or like even like Dead Island or something. It's uh, kind of a slower pace, but it's just quick enough where you're not getting like bored. And so pretty much you start the game when you pick like a survivor, uh, like a pair. And I basically picked like these two people who were like, it was this couple who like had met after the apocalypse had started and they just kind of like bonded over, you know, staying alive and surviving together. And like my partner got like bit, like kind of an opening mission, but like the zombies in this world, like as long as you kind of get it treated and stuff, you're kind of okay. Like it doesn't like turn you instantly like World War Z or something. Yeah. Um, and so I basically found these other people and like a doctor and this other guy and we just started heading off and said, all right, you know, do you want to go to this place, this place or this place? And so you kind of choose a place and you get there. Then it's like, all right, well, go find a house to set up in and you just there we go and you find a house and then you can okay i'd recommend going to the radio tower and you go up there and you can just scout out things and it's literally like every single building like kind of needs to be cleared and you kind of have to like clear each room out of a house to make sure like it's entirely safe so it's kind of in a way a, i guess a realistic survival game but it's also still a video game at the same time so it's kind of this cool mm. blend where it's video gamey but it does some cool stuff that you don't normally i think see in uh in uh in a zombie video game so you know it's really about yeah. just kind of expanding you find other survivors you add them to your community and yeah. the whole entire game is co-op which i haven't haven't played online with others yet i've just been doing it solo but um it looks like it's a pretty pretty cool experience that i'm hopefully gonna uh keep cool. on playing did you did you play the first one at all i did not you did not okay. yeah so i've only played this first. one yeah. yeah, the the first one and the second one have both been on my list of games that I've been interested in for a while now. Yeah, uh, no, they both they both released on Steam before they did on the on the on oh, Xbox. Gotcha. So I, I saw it a, a long time ago. I was like, oh hey, this looks really good. I, I should know, the, check this out. The intro, the the first hour or two is good. I think, especially you, Rob, I think you would really 
really enjoy the the gameplay and kind of the the tactical uh, kind of decisions a, that yeah. you have to make. It has like we'll RPG survive a little stuff, RPG. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of dip my toes in, but uh, like liking what I see so far. Sweet. It stands out from other zombie games, which <laughs> can definitely kind of get old with how many have come out. And, yes. You know, yes. You know. I I 100% agree. All right. Did well, you guys Nathan. see uh, The Walking Dead? Overkill just came out. I did. I heard oh, it, it did? has not had good impressions so far. It, well, it's like it a, basically it's like a crappy is... Left 4 Dead game, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With Walking so. Dead type franchise character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, meh. Play State of Decay or something else. Um, yeah, Nathan. Exactly. I've been waiting. Red Dead. You're Red 15, 20 Dead hours Redemption in. Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm 15 I see a big to 20 hours in. I, I think I'm at 19% overall on the story, and then on my save, I'm like at 25%. So I've played a, a good More chunk of this game. Okay. I, I've played every, like, for me, I mean, you, there's story markers that kind of define what's a main mission and what's a side mission. But this world is so big, and it's so, I don't, I'm really enjoying exploring it. Like, everything feels kind of important and essential to my playthrough and to, to the game. So good. it doesn't feel like I'm doing a side mission or doing a main mission that kind of just feels like every single part is kind of adding to the story. Like it's really organic the way it works. Yeah, it's, it's very organic the, nice. way, the way it works. Um, so I think the best thing I've seen so far about it is the world is absolutely beautiful and the way just the draw distance on it is insane. And I'm playing on a standard PS4. I'm not playing on a PS4 Pro with HDR or anything like that. Um, just standard PS4 and it looks really, really beautiful. And then I think it's filled enough with um, every time I ride on my horse, I'm going towards a mission or going to do something. I run into at least like one character that is like, hey, can you help me with this? Or has in some kind of side story to tell or you run across um, maybe a side story that you hadn't even seen because I haven't unlocked the full map yet. Right. Mm, and nice. so it does. It's not so it's not so empty that it feels barren, but it's also there are kind of some periods of time where you're just riding through and the only thing around you is the world and nature and maybe some animals and stuff like that so um that's that's the biggest plus um my biggest complaint with it is probably the combat like it's it's rockstar combat if you've played any other never been great games yeah um the uh like the shooting the shooting of the guns um every gun feels pretty similar like some of them are more like a rifle you can shoot yeah. farther with more accuracy yeah. but the way they handle feels very similar and i don't know it's it's just kind of like it's fine but once you've kind of done a couple shootouts you've done them all it, does, yeah. it doesn't yeah like it's so you're not playing the game to shoot no i'm not playing the game to shoot that's not but the stories it's telling and just the fun I'm having riding around discovering the world. The hunting is really good. Um, there's all these different legendary animals that you can hunt Ooh. and then turn those those like pelts in for um, usually for like cosmetic rewards, like different costumes and stuff nice. like that. Nice, that's cool. Um, can you wear like a bear pelt or something like that? Yeah, you, you can wear a bear Ooh, pelt, confirmed. That is cool. Um, so, so. so we do have to ask the question. Yes. Then. I actually have three questions for you and these are really important. These will define how good this game is. Okay. <laughs> First off, what type of facial hair and body size are you? So I am currently underfed. Um, my guy doesn't look super skinny, but if you go to Arthur's description, it says underfed. And I okay. ate like five things in a row and it still said underfed. So I think wow. I'm pretty underfed. Hey, he's a big boy. He needs lots of food. Exactly. I'm not feeding my character well enough. <laughs> I did then, see that, that you had you had like Wolverine mutton chops when I watched you play last yes, week. Yes, I'm still <laughs> rocking the Wolverine basically mutton chops uh, with, with yes. nothing else. So that's, that's and awesome. your your facial hair can get pretty long. I think mine is currently like at a four out of ten, and it's it's pretty scraggly. So you can get nice. pretty long. Number two, how many horses have you lost? I haven't lost any horses so far. Wow. Um, I did yeah, try and capture. I still am riding the same horse that I bought, kind of. <laughs> like that little skinny yeah, that, one. Because I'm trying to be a good guy and not rob people and steal their horse. And I did find some wild horses that I was trying to capture, but I got bucked off. And then it ran away. So <laughs> I, need, I need to get a new horse because my horse is very tiny. Got to work on those uh, those horse uh, rodeo skills. But I, I did think I killed it. I was riding, trying to ride um something, and I ran into something, and the whole horse like collapsed, and it sounded like it was dying. And I was oh like, goodness. oh no! But then it was okay. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard that the horses are the biggest glitch in the whole game. They have some issues yeah. sometimes. Um, and question yeah. three: 
This is probably the most important question. I think this is near and dear to Jeff's heart, and really, it really tells you how good this game is. How many people have you tied to train tracks? <laughs> have I tied to train tracks? I have. I haven't tied any people to train tracks yet, although I have lassoed and hog tied a fair amount of people. Then have you even played Red Dead Redemption? Yet? I you apparently have haven't even, even played Red Dead Redemption yet. I I'm trying to be a good cop. Have you, like, not, have you, have you drugged someone person. behind your horse as like punishment for like smack talking you or anything? No, I I did have someone who was giving me a hard time who I just left like bundled up on my horse for a while and just rode around <laughs> while I was hunting and doing other okay. things. Nathan, come on. This is a but video game. You got to let the devil out a little I'm bit. I'm trying to be a good person, you know? <laughs> I'm not trying to to And if someone sees me dragging someone behind, I might get a bounty and then I'll I'll have bounty hunters coming after me trying to kill me, so You can always shoot your way out of the problem. Yeah, I guess so. Or you can die. <laughs> <laughs> you can die. Well, hey, that's the beauty of this game. You can yeah. choose to experience it in, it in many different ways. Exactly. In many different I'll, 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 I'll try and do that by next week episode. Next week. Yeah, episode, please, please, please at least hog tie and put one person on a train track for research purposes. Okay, I will do that. <laughs> for science. La- last thing to for say science. about this game. Last thing to say about this game is I am really enjoying my time with it. I think I've played it for like an hour, in between an hour and two hours, I think every day since I've gotten it. Awesome. Um, a couple of days a little bit longer. Awesome. Um, so you find it hard to like play less than an hour? <laughs> no, it's one of the, it's, for me, it's really interesting. Um, once I get it, I want to keep playing it for at least an hour. But like once I get to kind of the two to two and a half hour mark, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready to take a break. So it's a very fun, That's enjoyable good. game. But it's not like a game like, for example, God of War earlier in the year where it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to keep going. And I wanted to play for like five hours straight. Gotcha. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for listening and uh, supporting the show here. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you f- listen to podcasts. Uh, find us on Twitter at Halison underscore games. We will leave you guys with some music from Battlefield 1. Happy Veterans Day weekend, everyone. And we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.